good day, everyone, and welcome to Talk with Tom. I'm your host, Aaron Wilker, and on today's episode of Talk with Tom, we will be diving deep into the role of what and how that plays in a successful life. Good luck. Uh, A fitting topic, we feel, for the month of March and St. Patrick's Day. But before we get started, I would like to mention that the sponsor of this episode is Tom's free Ultimate 7 Habits Worksheet. And on this worksheet, you will find seven simple habits to keep you consistently happy every day, seven simple Sunday habits to set you up for a productive week, seven great habits of the most successful people, and seven habits of people who build extraordinary relationships, and then, of course, you guessed it, three more habits for a total of seven um, that come from Tom's success habit categories. And you can download this valuable free resource at Tom's website, successseriesllc.com forward slash documents forward slash habits dot pdf or simply go to Tom's resource page on his website successseriesllc.com and now it is a great privilege for me as always to introduce my coach my mentor and my friend Tom Hart hello Tom hi Aaron how you doing I am excellent and you sir how are you I'm doing terrific, and this is a special month, and I'm glad we're doing the topic of luck for St. Patrick's Day because that's the birthday of our daughters. You have a daughter born on St. Patrick's Day, as do I. I think mine's 10 years older than yours, but uh, I wanted to give my daughter Karen a shout-out and a happy birthday. Yes, yep, exactly, and I, I'm always reminded that it is Karen's birthday because, as you said, it is my daughter, Jessica, her birthday as well, and, um, yeah, had a great time with her uh, that morning. She had to work that evening, but my wife and I took her out to brunch in the morning, and uh, we had a great, great day. Terrific. So. Yeah, and it always always reminds us of the luck of the Irish, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and you know, this topic for this month um, was was I mean, obviously it tied together because of the holiday, and I believe you had suggested the topic given that the month, and as I was doing my research in it, I found I, I came across findings that actually kind of took me by surprise. And so I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm glad you suggested the topic. And uh, I I think you'll be very intrigued with the results of some studies I came across. That that is my understanding, that you, uh, as you researched this, uh, your your findings strongly suggest that luck and opportunity play an underappreciated role in the determining of the individual's success. So... Let's dive right into it, Tom. Why don't you uh, tell tell us more about luck and its role in our success? Well, as I was researching the topic, I came across a number of 
business, uh, personal development, and psychology, uh, white papers and studies and books that had been written on the topic. And, and quite frankly, when I was kind of, you know, entering the, the research phase of the topic, I, I, I was expecting that luck was not a big determinant in one's success. Um, and and I, I wanted to put a little bit of a, a disclaimer, a spin on it from our point of view in what we talk about here on Talk With Tom and that obviously I advocate and teach within my coaching practice and workshops, and that is that I believe that throughout all of life, there is both, for everyone, there are both good or good luck events and there are bad and bad luck events. And by bad, I don't mean, you know, things that are of extreme, but I'm just saying life is just lifing, you know. And so we're all doing the best we can with the resources that we have. And as we go through life, there's going to be things coming our way that we know from the formula of E plus R equals O that the, the E stands for events, and those events are going to show up. And depending on how we react to them, which is the R, we will have an outcome. So I believe that as, as life brings us events, both good luck events and bad luck events or unlucky events, that our response to that will enhance the law of attraction or, for that matter, decrease it if our response is in a negative way or in a in, the, in an unresponsive way, and therefore the outcome, which would be, quote-unquote, a successful life, is kind of determined by how our responses are to these life events. So what you'll find as we dig into the topic is that these researchers that I cite have shown that um, rewards and resources are usually given to those who are already highly rewarded. In other words, you know, it's, it's most likely that the successful will be given more opportunities to be successful or to use their talents or success uh, in that way. And that often the causes with a lack of opportunity is at the expense of some that may even be more talented. And, and that took me by surprise because um, the, the assumption would be that there is a correlation between talent and success. And obviously we know there are many stories, many personal stories that are those who in spite of the odds, quote unquote, you know, became very successful in life. And, and they may not have been the most talented, but they were the most persistent or whatnot. And so um, this, this role of luck, uh, which can kind of um, come and go throughout life and, and actually those that have this preparation meeting opportunity have a outcome that appears to be quote unquote lucky. So it was fascinating to me. I'd love, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying um, talking about it. I hope our listeners find it uh, insightful. I think they will. And obviously for the month of March, it's a terrific uh, topic and it uh, often doesn't take into account the important role of luck 
which can emerge spontaneously throughout that creative process. And that spontaneity or that serendipity is really, um, you know, the law of attraction being put into action as well. Right. So and, that's, yeah. that's kind of the intro that I would give it. Very good. And, and I'd just say that, you know, you've taught me, you know, the law of attraction and I try to teach others and I 100% agree with it that the reaction truly affects the outcome and then paying it forward always. You know, I always tell people positive attracts positive, negative attracts negative. So always try to be positive and create that positive situation, the positive, uh, positive luck. So, Tom, you know, what, 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 what do, what, what studies, you know, you said you did research and you have some studies. What, what's the first study that you have? Well, it was an Italian study conducted by Alessandro Poluccio and Alessio Biondo. And I hope I'm pronouncing those right. And I beg their pardon if they're listening and I've butchered their names. But their study um, dovetails with this growing number of other studies that's based on real-world data where the researchers pointed out that since rewards and resources are usually given to those who are highly rewarded, in other words, have past record or a track record of success, that it often causes a lack of opportunities for those who are most talented. And um, what I learned in their research and another couple that I'm going to cite uh, throughout the the uh, the podcast is that um, most researchers in in all those worlds in the world of psychology in the world of of um, socio uh, sociology and in the world of personal development agree that time and again things such as talent and skill and hard work and optimism and a growth mindset and tenacity, you know, those kinds of, of really acquired skills or natural abilities are all across the board uh, evident in a successful life. Uh, Brendan Burchard recently uh, published a book by the uh, title of High Performance Habits. And over the past three years, Brendan, who, who recently has um, collaborated with Oprah Winfrey and has created an online course, uh, by the same title, High Performance Habits. Brendan identified six common habits, three personal habits, and three um, uh, social habits that all high performers have. And those three personal habits are uh, clarity, seeking clarity, generating energy, and raising necessity. Now, those three personal habits were out of many, many habits that all high performers had, but they all had those three. The three social habits that they all had in all his studies over three years were an increased productivity, uh, developing influence, and demonstrating courage. And so those six habits were the funnel, the filter down to, and again, their seek clarity, generate energy, raise necessity, increase productivity, develop influence, and demonstrating courage, those six 
common habits were across the boards with high performers. So these underlying assumptions influence how society distributes its resources. So whenever it comes to work opportunities or fame or government grants, we tend to give out the resources to those who have the track record and tend to ignore those who may have not had any yet any success or any notoriety, but plenty of talent. And so this assumption is that the most successful are also the most competent, which we know uh, is, is kind of an approach that is used across the board. Okay. But, but is that assumption correct? Is it correct that the most successful are also the most competent? Well, in another study I uh, came across, Scott Barry Kaufman wrote recently in Scientific America that he spent his entire career studying the psychological characteristics that predict achievement and creativity, kind of the, the, the intersection of what we just described, you know, talent or success, and the law of attraction or the, the creative process, and, or luck is another way to put it. And, and he found that a certain number of traits, including passion and perseverance, imagination, openness to, to experience, all those things do significantly explain the differences in success. In other words, in our, in our language, that's the response to the E plus R equals O. But he was also left dumbfounded that, much of the variance was often left unexplained. Like you couldn't really see what the difference was when, when all these other traits, you know, passion and perseverance and imagination and curiosity and openness and all these things, you know, even the six that Brendan cited, they might've been present, but they might've been present in all of his research and in, in every uh, subject of the research, and yet certain of the subjects were rising up in a, you know, very minute percentage, like 98 versus 2% um, uh, of success. So these studies and books have suggested that luck and opportunity may play a far greater role than we've ever realized across a number of fields such as business and sports and music and science. But the dominant argument is not that luck is everything, because obviously not everything is going to be reliant on one thing like luck, because talent matters, of course. But instead, the data suggests that we miss out on a really important piece of the success picture if we only focus on the personal characteristics and attempting to understand them. So in my findings, I found some amazing kinds of statistics that kind of prove that out. So do you know that about half the differences in income across people worldwide is, is explained by the country of their residence and the distribution of wealth within that country? So if by chance, which is another word for luck, if by chance you're born in one country versus another. Now we of course are very fortunate in the Western world and in a democratic society to be able to have many opportunities that in the third world just do not exist. So there's an example of that. There's also a scientific impact of random distribution with highly productive having a limited effect on the likelihood of a high-impact scientific career. 
And then the chance of being a CEO is influenced by your name and your month of birth. Is that weird? So a number of CEOs that are born in June and July is smaller than the number of CEOs born in other months. And here's another one. Last names earlier in the alphabet are more likely to receive tenure in academia. Isn't that strange? And so, you know, things like that that I came across, uh, here's another one that, that at least bodes well for, for me and, and you to a certain extent. People with an easy-to-pronounce name are judged more positively than those with difficult-to-pronounce names. It's like, wow, how about that? And then lastly, no surprise, uh, females with a masculine-sounding name are more successful in legal careers. So obviously a male-dominated field. So how about those kind of statistics that, again, they have nothing to do with, um, gosh, you know, it's all by chance. You know, what what month you're born in and what your name is and what country you are, are born in. Yeah. Country, I certainly understand, you know, um, that as I visit my mom, who now lives down in Nicaragua, it is very evident. Here's a a question, though. I mean, you know, these hidden dimensions of luck that you uh, are talking about, is it, you know, is it true that the most successful people are just the luckiest people in our society? You know, it's are these hidden dimensions really that powerful that make people luckier than others based on their based on their name <laughs> well again i think this is a perception thing and that even if it were a little bit true then it would have significant implications because we distribute our limited resources so for instance say a grant Okay, if, if I'm writing a grant request for a foundation or a government agency and I can show a track record of success, then my potential for achieving that grant is going to be higher. The, the, the downside, of course, is that that gives me a higher potential to have more benefit from society versus somebody who may have the most worthy cause and the most talented team to execute the plan. But if I'm looking at a grant request and I see one that's got a track record and one that's just a startup kind of situation, I'm probably going to favor the one with the track record because I want my dollars to go into a, you know, more, more, I don't know, higher probability of success. And, And for some reason I'm giving their track record a, future focus as well. Well, if you've done it before, you can do it again kind of a thing. But in an attempt to shed light on this heavy issue, um, the Italian researchers created a mathematical model making the first ever attempt to quantify the role of luck and talent in successful careers. And in in their prior work, they warned against a naive meritocracy in which people actually fail to give honors and rewards to those most competent people because of their underestimation of the role of randomness or what I would again consider to be chance or luck. And to formally capture this phenomenon, they proposed a mathematical model that simulated the evolution of careers of a collective 
sample population over a work life of 40 years, you know, the typical 20 to 60 uh, work life, 20 years old to 60 years old. So what they did is they put this hypothetical number of agents into the algorithm with different degrees of talent so that their lives would unfold over the course of this 40-year work life. And so they defined the talent as whatever set of personal characteristics would allow that person to exploit opportunities, which, you know, is another way of saying luck. Okay, again, preparation meeting opportunity. Well, that talent included those traits we talked about earlier about motivation and intelligence and skill and creative thinking and emotional intelligence, things that were kind of universal in, in uh, success formulas. And the key was is that more, more talented people are likely to be more likely to get the most bang for their buck given the opportunity because obviously that's preparation. So they were most prepared for these random, um, you know, they had the characteristics that could take advantage of these random uh, uh, hypothetical uh, chance opportunities. So the simulation had a same level of success uh, given to every one of the agents, which was 10 units. And so every six months, those hypothetical individuals were exposed to a certain number of lucky events or unlucky events. And whenever a person encountered an unlucky event, their success was reduced in half. And whenever a person encountered a lucky event, their success was doubled proportional to their talent. So this algorithm, and I hope that sounded as, as explain, I'm explaining it as well as the paper described it, because basically an unlucky event cut their, 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 uh, 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 results in half and then a lucky event doubled them. So it was just fascinating to see that they could actually put a, a, a mathematical model to it all. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, so before we get into to that, um, I want to take this opportunity. I'd like to remind everybody that before Tom tells us more about the study, uh, that this episode of Talk With Tom is sponsored by Tom's valuable free resource, The Ultimate Seven Habits Worksheet. And this is at successseriesllc.com forward slash documents forward slash habits dot PDF. And again, this worksheet will describe seven money habits of the rich, seven habits of the self-made millennial millionaire, seven weekend habits of highly successful people, plus the other uh, habits that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode of Talk With Tom, and that is, again, at the successseriesllc.com website under Tom's Resources tab. And now, Tom, uh, won't you tell us what they found in this study? Well, to no surprise, they found the Prieto principle, which is the 80-20 rule, Richard Cox refers to as the 80-20 principle. And that is that 80% of our results are from 20% of our efforts. 
And so that would predict that a small number of people will end up achieving the success of most of the population. And, and we see that in, in statistics of, you know, the rich or the wealthy and, and those lists and how much they control. And it's something like eight individuals control as much wealth as the lower 50% of the entire world's population, something like that. But um, this final outcome of their 40-year simulation, talent was normally distributed. In other words, right across the board, everybody got the 10 units. But success was not. And the 20 individuals most successful held 44% of the success, while almost half of the population remained under 10 units of success after the entire simulation. So they all started with 10. They all had lucky and unlucky um, events uh, distributed uh, randomly. And, and, of course, this is consistent with real-world data, which these previous Italian researchers had found, that although there's some suggestion in the real world that wealth is success and it's unevenly distributed, um, there's, there's this um, outcome that this unequal distribution may seem fair, but it might be justifiable if it turned out that the most successful people were the most talented. But what did the simulation find? On the one hand, talent wasn't irrelevant to success because, in general, those with greater talent had higher probability of increasing their success by exploiting those possibilities, i.e. luck. But then also the most successful agents were mostly at least average in talent. So talent mattered, but it didn't matter. It wasn't the overriding trait, characteristic. So talent was definitely not sufficient because the most talented individuals were rarely the most successful. Isn't that strange? So in general, mediocre but lucky people were much more successful than more talented but unlucky agents in this simulation. And the most successful agents tended to be those who were only slightly above average in talent, but with a lot of luck or a lot of these positive, lucky events coming their way randomly, and they consider the evolution of success for the most successful person and the least successful person in one of their simulations. And that was that the most highly successful person had a series of very lucky events in their life. And again, this is the simulation. This is the, the hypothetical algorithm. And by random, after each of the agents receiving 10 units each, there was the one that was the highly successful one actually had a series of very lucky events in their life, whereas the least successful agent in the hypothetical had an unbearable number of unlucky events. And the authors noted then even a great talent becomes useless against this fury of misfortune. And of course, back to our uh, comment and, and advocacy for E plus R equals O is, you know, life is just lifing and it's going to bring us adversity and it's going to bring us opportunity. And depending on how we respond to it, we'll show or will show up or will be displayed to the outside world. We know where we are in our own heart, but to the outside world, it'll look as quote unquote lucky or unlucky 
or positive or negative or optimistic or pessimistic. And how we respond is going to really determine our outcome. And I would say beyond that, it's also going to determine our future. Like how we respond to something that happened today is going to determine how tomorrow shows up. And if we are negative about an event that happens today, it's likely that tomorrow will be will bring something negative because like attracts like. And with the law of attraction, if our response is at least perseverance through that adversity and a, a, a strength in self that, gee, we can we can achieve it again. You know, one of the one of the great um, ingrained at this point in my life uh, traits that I so appreciate is that since I've done it before, I know I can do it again. And in spite of my perfect storm and losing it all and being hit by the, the, the proverbial Mack truck and nuclear bomb, etc., I'm able to let that be in my past and learn from that experience in order to move forward in a positive future uh, viewpoint. And, and that's, of course, part of what this study determined. Yeah, it, it, so two things come to my mind as you talk about this study and what you just said. Um, and what you just said, that's in the past and living today. Uh, I just read a passage from Don Miguel Ruiz this morning talking about that. If you can detach yourself from events of the past, because those only exist in the past, um, if you can detach from that and just live with the knowledge of now, you have a tendency to be more successful. And I think of all the great athletes with such talent and some of those athletes have been successful no matter what. And I think uh, Magic Johnson, but a more recent example of a great talent who was at the top and fell hard and is now slowly coming back. Tiger Woods, just look at what he's done this year and the media attention he gets. Um, so talent loss is, you know, obviously and an unfortunate to both individual and society. So, you know, what can be done so that those, you know, who are most capable of capitalizing on their opportunities are given the opportunities they most need to thrive. I mean, how how do how does somebody who has the talent and they feel they lost it or how do they capitalize on these opportunities that they are needed most to thrive, Tom? Well, funny you should ask because another study answered that. It was a Canadian study by the Carleton Institute and researchers John Michael Fortin and David Curie found that merit strategies used to assign honors, funds, rewards, you know, all that we just talked about earlier, like the, like the grant request kind of um, example I gave. And that selecting individuals in this way 
creates a state of affairs in which the rich gets richer and the poor get poorer, often referred to as the Matthew effect. And is that the most effective strategy for maximizing potential? Well, what they discovered is that where there's a more effective funding strategy for maximizing impact on the world would be for giving large grants to a few previously successful applicants or smaller grants to many average successful applicants. And this fundamental question about the distribution of resources is what became their data. And what Fortin and Curie found was that the least effective funding strategies were those that gave a certain percentage across the board. So like, okay, we've got, you know, 100 applicants and $100,000 to give, so let's give 1,000 to all of them. And that the mixed strategies that combine a giving percentage to the most successful people and equally distributing the rest is a bit more effective because the distributing of funds would be more random and it's given to be more efficient. So let's say out of those 100, they give half of it to you know, the, the most successful or, the you know, half of it to the most successful 20%, let's say, out of those 20 people, they get 50000 And then the other $50,000 gets distributed among all other 80 applicants. And this last finding is intriguing because it's consistent with other research suggesting that in a complex society, like a Western society, there's economic context where chance is likely to play a role. So strategies that incorporate randomness could actually perform better than strategies based on this meritocratic uh, approach. And with that said, the best funding strategy of them all was one where an equal number of funding was distributed to everyone. And it was back to exactly what I said about the 100,000. Okay, you got 100 applicants, give them all 1,000 bucks, let's see what happens. And distributing the funds Back to um, the, the uh, previous model, the mathematical model, at a rate of one unit every five years resulted in a 60% of most talented individuals having a greater than average level of success. So every once in a while, they'd get this input of, you know, one, one unit every five years in that 40-year lifespan, and it resulted in 100% of the most talented people having an impact. So that equal distribution suggests that if a funding agency or a government has more money available to distribute, they'd be wise to use that extra money to distribute it to everyone rather than only a select few. In other words, it wouldn't be the track record of success that would be the probable successful outcome of my grant dollar. You know, contrary to what I said earlier, well, hey, if I've got two grant applications, and one of them's got a history of success in their, in their uh, effort, you know, their, their uh, purpose of use. And the other one's just starting up and they have no track record. I'm favoring the one that's got the track record because I think my dollar is going to be more utilized or more success probability. So the researchers concluded that if the goal is to reward the most talented, thus increasing their level of success, it's much more convenient to distribute periodically, even in small equal amounts of capital, to all the individuals rather than give a greater capital only to a smaller percentage of them selected through their level of success. So 
Isn't that amazing? I mean, like I said at the onset of the show, my research took me in a direction I did not expect. And here's another example of that where, gosh, you know, this, this law of attraction piece comes into play. The response to life's events comes into play. And preparation meeting opportunity come into play to really create a successful life. Right. I, I, I find it fascinating and it, it's amazing what these studies have quantified in, you know, the role of luck in one's success. Um, what conclusions did these research or these studies come to as well as what, what did you conclude after doing all of your research and study on this topic, Tom? Well, the results of these studies suggest that luck and opportunity play an underappreciated role in determining the final level of success. And success may truly lie at the intersection of preparation meeting opportunity. But that's not the entire story. As the researchers pointed out, rewards and resources are usually given to those who already have a track record, and cause for lack of opportunity is what really costs the most talented people sometimes, and it doesn't take into account this this role of luck, which can emerge kind of spontaneously throughout the process, the creative process. So the the researchers concluded and argue that the following factors are all important in giving people more chances of success. Number one, a stimulating environment rich in opportunities. Number two, a good education. Number three, or, or an intensive training, by the way. Education doesn't necessarily have to be a formal college education, but a training, a, a skill development. And then number three, an efficient strategy for distributing those funds and resources. So they argue that at a macro level, any policy that can influence factors that result in a greater collective progress, create more innovation for society. In other words, we as a society would benefit, not just the individuals who are achieving the success, but that there's a, a giving back, so to speak, to society on a, on a collective basis. And so my conclusions would be uh, obviously in line with those findings, but then also I think this element of one's response to life's events, you know, life just lifing, <laughs> and, and, and the events that happen will help create a more successful, quote-unquote, successful outcome, and therefore a more successful life, and that by implementing the law of attraction and these other laws of the universe that we have talked about here that will provide those that are even at a disadvantage, in other words, less talent, would still be able to uh, create a successful life. Wow. All right. Well, thank you very much, Tom. Uh, as always, uh, always appreciate your time and knowledge on these things. Uh, I would like to thank the audience for listening and remind them to download Tom's free Ultimate 7 Habits worksheet at successseriesllc.com forward slash documents forward slash habits dot pdf and that there are many more free downloads and resources can be found 
at Tom's website, successseriesllc.com, and go to his resources tab. Um, this talk with Tom is just one of the many free resources that Tom provides to help you grow your life and build your business. And if you don't mind, please rate the podcast on iTunes, which would help tremendously with keeping the podcast visible so that people who have never heard of it can discover it. And if you've already done that, thank you so very much. We all here at the Tom uh, Success Series LLC, we are all very grateful for that. And Tom and the Success Series team appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. We look forward to you joining us right back here on the last Wednesday of every month with a new episode of Talk with Tom. And so for Tom and the Success Series LLC team, I'm Aaron Wilker, wishing you all a successful month. Goodbye.